Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. Proudly hosted by me, Chris Little. Without further ado, let's get started. Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase, episode 31 with Graham and Jessica Duty. How are you both doing today? Doing well. Yeah, doing good. Yeah, I'm feeling a little energized, a lot of coffee, and yeah, yeah, me too, me too. a lot to say probably, yeah. What's your favorite way to have your coffee? Heavy cream. Yeah. <laughs> no sugar ever. Heavy yeah, cream. I'm the same there, no sugar. Yeah. I change a lot, I'll, I'll go through phases where it's just a couple of shots of espresso with a little bit of water, mm-hmm. and then phases where... I'll load it up with grass-fed butter and MCT oil, and then other times where I just join Jess and just do full-fat cream. <laughs> nice. So nice. it just kind of depends on the mood I'm in. Sweet. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I want you both, each one at a time, to take me through your busiest day that you have on a typical week. So you go first, Graham. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Jess will outdo me here. Um, <laughs> busy... Usually it'll start early. I like to, I'm usually up early. I work early. So it's like today, <clears throat> coach the 6am class. So I'm up at 4.30 getting ready. So I'll prepare, you know, different kinds of busy, but I'll do my food prep because I like it fresh, somewhat fresh. So I'll get up at 4.30, kind of start my day. Um, food prep off to the gym, open the gym, coach from six till really till two. And that's five classes. Um, I work out in there. You know, this past year has been a lot of rowing. If I get a, a window of an hour or so between kind of a break in the morning. And then uh, we're at the phase of life. So that'll go till about two. And then there's a lot of connecting with people in the gym and maybe some jobs that need to get done or some extra work I have. So some days that, that part of my day will end at two. And then I'll have a little bit of extra, say, programming work to do. And then we're at the phase of life where it's not necessarily work related. But then at night we have teenage kids. So our teenage daughters. So whether it's soccer happening or theater, you know, or maybe there's still some programming or something I've got to take care, take care of at night. So some days it's, it's, you know, those little windows in our day, we're fortunate that way, but it's really kind of a, you know, things start at four 30 and we shut it down at like 9 PM and hit the pillow and go to bed. Nice. Nice. Uh, how, how many hours of sleep do you aim for typically? Oh man. Um, (laughs) that's a, I love these topics. I love that topic. Um, seven minimum seven and I'm, I'm becoming more and more of a sleep advocate I have been for a few years because I used to take a lot of pride in going on like four and a half five five and a half and in fact in my early 20s we trained and raced a lot and um, racing triathlon and stuff and so and as a shift worker back then in my last career so now I can look back and really see where that fell apart that we can we can do that but we're not optimized so even on a day like today where I'm up at 4 30 again family life and life dictates that I can't always get in bed by 9 30 and be sleeping so I'll, I'll give up a little sleep on a night like last night knowing that tonight I'll probably get seven eight not that I'm trying to catch up but I track my sleep for the week and I look at how many hours I'll get in a week and kind of just watch patterns but usually it's seven at a minimum yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, do you have any sort of rules that you set for yourself or routines to sort of yeah. get to sleep? You know, I'm, I'm bad with rules. It's funny because, um, <laughs> I hate rules <laughs> and, uh, but I like routines because routines I don't have to think about. So routines, if they serve me, I see them as different than rules because then they're free. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, I work, I try, you know, to kind of, I, I do this stuff that most people probably do. I start to, when I'm getting tired, I know that our dogs have to get let out and we have to lock up the house. And, but the big ones are for us, you know, and just kind of brush teeth and get ready for bed. But I try to, ideally, if it's a good night, I'm on, I'm reading a book before bed. I'm not on my phone reading headlines, which I can fall into very easily, just getting on Google or getting on YouTube or whatever I'm into. So it's, it's usually as soon as possible, dimming the lights or getting the lights down. It's quiet, you know, Jess and I talk or whatever, and then just crawl into bed and maybe read a bit. And then I don't, I'm now that I'm not a shift worker anymore, generally by the time it's lights out, I'm, I'm asleep within five minutes, which is a gift. Nice. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Your turn. Every single day is so different for me, but I'd say um, the busiest days are days where I'm at the gym. So same sort of shift, six to two, or tonight I'll be there four till like nine or ten. Um, but when you own your own business, as you know, there's always more I can be doing. So we're actually going into a really busy phase right now. It's the CrossFit Open. Mm -hmm. So we'll be hosting events each week. And um, I could, you know, fall asleep answering people's emails and requests <laughs> to me all day long. But um, so I'm either on my computer, rushing my kids somewhere, thinking about laundry or food, or physically at work or with the client and just sort of packs my days full for sure but at like Graham I sleep like a baby so perfect yeah what's been the most exciting day of your past year if you could pick one day oh well I actually went back this year to school to do my master's mm -hmm. of uh, entrepreneurship and innovation so that was a big leap because I've been my own boss for so long. It felt really vulnerable to like apply to something and see if they want me and, and then have to fit into this group of like master students feeling like I was probably one of the older students. And, um, I'd say getting on the plane to go to Queens, which is where, <laughs> where the program's held was really a really exciting day for me. Cause it was like, I'm all in, I'm doing this, and I was really excited about it, so. Totally. Yeah. I find with, like, steps like that, we often, like, talk ourselves out of them. If yeah. you could describe three things you were saying to yourself, talking yourself out of it, what would they be? Oh, God, I had lots. <laughs> uh, this is a lot of money. Is this really going to be worth it? Why am I doing this again? Um, it just felt really scary, like, it felt out of my comfort zone. I think I came back from the first boot camp just being like as exciting and, and awesome as it was. I was also like feeling all this um, like social, do I fit in? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I hadn't felt that in so many years. So there was some of that talk. But, you know, I'm pretty good with mental talk. Like I, uh, I try and bring it around and know that everything's happening for a reason. So... I was able to walk myself through all those like little worries and stresses, but I, I had someone say to me before I signed up for that, everything or the best things I've ever done in my life always started with me going, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> and that really reassured me because I was like, I'm feeling exactly that. It must be a good step. So yeah. So totally. I always have that in the back of my head. <laughs> and having done that now, what how would you motivate somebody else to do the exact same thing? Somebody that kind of feels like they're, they, they could make a next step, but they're too scared to. 
I would say like if it doesn't feel a stretch or scary, it's probably not big enough. Like I was thinking about that right now. I've I'm applying for a few positions at various companies and stuff. And the ones that I'm the most scared about, like, can I really do that? I think that I'm on track versus the ones that I know I can do. And I'd probably be bored in like a couple months because, you know, it would just be too easy. So I think for anyone thinking about a big decision, if it doesn't feel scary, you're probably playing too small. Totally. I agree. Yeah. So now we're going to take it back to high school years because I ask a lot of my guests kind of what kind of a student or person they were in high school. So let's start with you, Graham. Oh, let's see. Uh, You know, I had, at the time I was on a swim team. So I I kind of, I had some really close friends that almost on a team like that. We'd grown up since we were younger together. So I really, you know, had friends outside that group, but mainly it was the handful of us that were at the same school that were on the team. And so I was fortunate to have uh, some really close friends during that time. But I wasn't, the but is I wasn't on um, any of the school teams or anything. So school for me was, you know, we spent before school and after school, a lot of days just at the pool. So school was something that, you know, I didn't love school. In fact, I didn't really love school until, um, until university, until I started to be, find myself in classes that I found really interesting. So school was a lot of times waiting till Friday, Saturday, so that, I could get to the mountains, yeah. to be honest. I enjoyed high school, unfortunately. Well, not even unfortunately, because it's made me, um, I am who I am. But, you know, I was probably like a lot of teenage guys that just liked kind of high risk stuff. And so I had a lot of fun. At the same time, though, you know, high school is also looking back. What's, I think, great about 40 and every year past high school is you're, you know yourself a little better. You're more secure in your skin you know, are content just to be you, you know, so you're not kind of shaped as much by peer pressure and stuff. Overall, I had a really good, good high school experience. Sweet. Yeah, that's good. And so your, your plan going out of high school, cause everybody has like their mm. plan of what they're going to take or, yeah. or all that. How does that differentiate with what you do now? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> I couldn't have seen myself doing what I do now, to be honest. It wasn't really a thing. Um, when I, again, one of my ideas leaving high school was to work in the mountains and mountain rescue. And I was just a kid that liked to snowboard and ski and stuff. And, uh, and then I, I fell in love. And then, so you started to piece together, even as a young guy, well, that, that looks tough, you know, because I can live in mountain towns and stuff, but how, if I'm falling in love with this girl, what's that look like? And I, I like to be active again. I like stuff like phys ed, but there was no such thing as small little boutique gyms or training gyms or CrossFit gyms. There was probably personal trainers and coaches. But so I guess the related, my, my idea, I got into U of A, took phys ed and the phys ed ed track. And that's, I didn't really know any different, you know, so that, that was kind of the kickstart. And then years later, you know, through meeting people and taking jobs in the industry and, and starting to train and coach and manage rec centers, or fitness departments, it's kind of evolved to where it is now. But I did not have a clear vision that one day I'll own my, with my wife, will one day own a small little business and I'll have some clients on the side that I program for from a, a desk or cafe. That wasn't something I ever saw. Yeah, it's yeah. cool how life works out that way. Yeah, yeah big what, time. About, what about you? What's your, your story? High school? Yeah. <laughs> That's a really long time ago, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I've always, like, the theme of my life, I bite off more than I can chew, and it was no different back then. I was in drama, I played sports, I, you know, like to party and do all that stuff, as anyone does. Um, I think the biggest thing, the difference, is back then I was, uh, I grew up in a really religious family, and I felt really confined about what my life could be based on how they had brought me up. And... A lot of that revolved around like gender and, you know, what was expected of each. And I think as I grew older and I gave myself permission to sort of break out of those stereotypes, uh, then things started to open up. But prior to that, I felt really like, well, I'm going to be a mom, I guess. And, you know, I didn't give that much thought to career. I chose a university program really based on just what I found interesting, not what I thought might happen after. And um, same as Graham, it's just sort of evolved. Like I've really followed my passions and and things have grown. Um, and I found a passion in business and small business and startups. And then I was like, gee, let's do your biz. <laughs> so that's how we ended up where we are now. But um, I think you're so young in high school and I think it's hard to see where things can go but you just have to sort of trust the process of life and who you meet and what you study and you'll learn and grow and you'll be where you're meant to be eventually so totally I think it's interesting because in a lot of cases when I talk to people like who they were in high school it's different from who they are now but there's still a lot of correlations like mm-hmm. usually like the things that they really liked the very very most come back to them when they start following their passion yeah. and i think mm-hmm. it's neat like we, it's almost especially in today's society where being an entrepreneur becomes the popular thing or the easier to do thing a lot more people are doing it and they're motivated to do it by following their passion or at least making the thing that they enjoy doing the most be something that uh, provides them income Mm -hmm. and when we get closer to the things that we enjoy the most I think it's really good for mental health yeah which is huge because I think that's something that is something we have to actively battle because of just society social media different jobs all that stuff like Mm -hmm. so many things that make us less less capable of sort of like battling those mental battles just like we battle physical battles Mm-hmm. Um, at one point you were a firefighter, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of inspired you to go into that? Uh, let's see. Well, I was, I think at the time I was really looking to be part of a, t- a team with guys. So in junior high, high school, I'd wanted to be a fireman. And then I sort of, as time went on, I thought, well, I don't know if that's a good career to have also why I'm, you know, as, as a family man. Um, so I worked like I said, I came out of school and I was working in recreation and phys ed and, um, and fitness, but then I just fire for whatever reason came back into my mind. I don't know. I kind of forget why now, but yeah, I spent, so I was a fireman with the city of Edmonton for 11 years and it was wonderful because at that time it was, you know, I found, I found just what I was looking for. It was a tight team. So it's kind of just talking about high school. I was back having close people that I really enjoyed being with and got to know and um, so yeah it was wonderful. Do you find that you're still close with a lot of the people that were on your squad? Yeah you know absolutely so I'm fortunate because some of them still go to the gym and um, 
you know, and I keep in touch. Edmonton's a small city, so you know, even the guys that they may not train or I don't see them through that for that reason, uh, we catch up for you know Sunday morning waffles or breakfast or whatever coffee. And uh, and actually, I try. You know, we we talk about this, and I do like to have. You know, main, I really care strongly about maintaining those friendships that are not gym related, just because you know some of these guys I've known for over ten years. I know their families; they know mine. So yeah, so I'm still fortunate to be really close to them. I always think about like emergency services, whether it be like paramedics or firefighters or policemen or like even nurses. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to deal with so much stuff. Yeah. Like. Myself, I think I'd have trouble because I am a major empath. Like, I feel like I would get too attached to some of the emergency situations. Um, what are some of the strategies that you had to do being a firefighter for so long? Because I'd imagine yeah, it had some question. struggles. You know what, it does. And so you, you brought up sleep. There's a lot. And uh, it's, a, it's a, I mean, I'm sure it's a podcast. You know, there's probably several podcasts out there on this stuff for first responders because... You know, it's, it's a certain lifestyle. So what you see, you know, there's a real fun side to it and a thrilling side to it. But there's also very much a human side to it where, yeah, you do come across people at their worst. And you are trained. So over time, you know, you're just, you're trained to deal with that stuff. And you're reminded, you know, you didn't cause it. You're just there to, to help. And so that, but there's definitely triggers. So, you know, certain things will affect one person on a crew worse than they'll affect another. Maybe they're, they're close to home for a reason. Um, there's counseling. So there's debrief sessions after bad calls. A, a crew can, it can be requested that a, a, a specialist, a, a counselor comes and has some time to sit down with the crew and walk through the events so just to get them talking. One of the biggest ones, and I, I cherish it, um, the times we had, but laughter is really used. So like, and that's the dark humor side that until you've really kind of experienced it, there's a reason why, you know, stuff, it's just a way of coping. You know, yeah. It's a way for guys to talk and feel like they're being, they can be vulnerable in a safe, safe situation. Because what you said, a lot of firemen uh, and people in these, in as a lot of first responders, um, they are also empaths. So they're there because they care. And so you might have a real bravado or sense of bravado but there is a genuine sense as well within those those services to, to provide care. Yeah. You know, and, and so yeah, so a lot of what you see is terrible. So the sleep, now there's more and more attention being paid to sleep. There's more attention being paid to physical fitness. There's more attention being paid to, you know, um, everything that's gonna help a human being being to be healthy. So coping strategies, uh, even in some cases, breath work, meditation, you know, physical training. So we had a health and wellness department on the job. And so the guys create and deliver modules here in Edmonton and in um, North America, most departments have this, but to different degrees, you know, Edmonton's got a great program running and uh, you know, a a great lead on it. And so they'll, they'll create modules for the guys that seem relevant. You know, if it is, okay, let's create a sleep module. Let's create a module on how to lift safely, anything related to health. Yeah. That's awesome. And it's good to be so proactive about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of what I see is social media has taken over people's perception of being in a community. Whereas I think we need to start like getting and interacting with people more, which is what is so valuable about like group fitness or CrossFit or anything like that. Cause yeah, it sort absolutely. of structures 
yeah. a community. Yes. Yeah. And at least at least once a week, but in a lot of cases more than once a week. Yeah. People are getting together and they're talking about life and they're yeah. feeling emotions and people have bad days and you just work through it. Yeah. And people that are deprived of that, it it sucks because like I can see it, it's very apparent that there's a difference in a person who has that community support and a person who neglects that in their life. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like if, if you don't go to the gym and train and do resistance training and all this stuff, you're going to lose these capabilities and skills. And if you don't go and train your mental health and work on your relationships and have your non-negotiables, then that stuff kind of, you lose it a little bit, which, yeah. which sucks. Like there's Absolutely. mental health is on like the, the increase in the amount of like struggles we're facing. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not the same as when people were in like their, their old shacks with no internet and stuff and you get on your bike or you get the horses all rigged up and you go to the neighbor's house. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's a different world. It is. Yeah. Often we don't have to rely on people the same way in the fire service you do. And therefore you become really close. Yeah. You know, and you're, you're bang on a lot of times you'll see in a gym setting over time as people start to feel more and more comfortable. So they show up completely as themselves. They can be vulnerable. So if they can come in and admit, listen, you know, they might say to a coach or just have close friends now that they can confide in. So a lot of days it really is about the workout. And then a lot of times it's not, you know, they'll, it's just beneficial for them to be there around other people that they can talk to or listen or just be quiet and sit with. Absolutely. That's the the beauty of fitness and like Mm -hmm. the sort of a lot of the things that I value the most are community oriented. Like Mm -hmm. I tend to stick around like the spin communities. I've kept in touch with a lot of people from Forged. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's cool. Like my my first guest was Blake Fillion. Yeah, nice. So that's always fun. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's just regardless of how you find your fitness, because I think that's a major one to hit home, because as mm-hmm. long as people are safe and they're going to be able to do it for years, yeah. it doesn't matter how they do fitness. Yeah. Just do it. Be active. Be happy. Yeah. But have like other people that you align with. Don't do it by yourself if you can avoid it, yeah. because there's so much so much to gain from it. Mm-hmm. There is, yeah. You know, I think, too, there's a, a need to appreciate the blend. Like Some people seek to go internal and... and get into a flow state and that means quiet yeah you know but I think too that for that person if at least there's one or two buddies once in a while they can call in or they they do have access to a group once in a while I think what you're saying is is bang on it's really important because it can become really isolating on the flip side where it's 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 no longer doing what it used to do for somebody you know so I think I think some form of social contact when we train and exercise is really beneficial totally I agree our next topic is going to be parenthood. Cool. So I'm going to start with you, Jessica. Sure. Before going into parenthood, what were your thoughts? Was it scary? Kind of same thing as like doing your jump and getting the further education. Talk me through the thoughts before and then after. Um, there were really no thoughts. Before. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Like there were a few thoughts. Um, Graham and I both, a lot, though. both knew we always <laughs> wanted kids. Yeah. And I tend to throw myself into things. Like, we both have a very short, like, idea to action phase. Yeah, <laughs> it's totally. very short. So when we decided we wanted kids, well, like, the next month we were pregnant. Pretty much. Efficient. And 
<laughs> yeah, and, and uh, we were young, so I was 25 when I had yeah. my first. And it was really life-changing in so many ways, but at the same time, when you have your kids that young, most of your friends don't have kids, you do realize, like, life just goes on. You you just bring those little munchkins and you bring them along with you, and it and life doesn't have to end. And in fact, it makes life a lot richer because there's these little things you love more than yourself, which really in life, that's the only time that's going to happen where you... Um, you actually love something more than yourself yeah. and it's pretty I feel lucky that we got it going early so now I feel like a lot of things for us are coming more to a peak like career wise and our kids are a little bit older more independent and we're still young enough to do a lot of things and like you know go hike a mountain with our kids versus totally. feeling like we're sort of stuck home with toddlers or whatever so you know, I think however you choose to do it, it works out for you. But I, I feel like we were lucky in that regard. But no, not too much thought given <laughs> to that one, Chris. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. What about you, Graham? Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I, uh, I, you know, this may sound cliche, but uh, I think, you know, honestly, if my gut says it's a good thing, I usually go. And so this for me felt like it was, it was just, of course, it feels natural. Let's do this. And... I, I do really think, I mean, I have some viewpoints on this, but I think we can really think ourselves into paralysis. And you're never, my, my opinion is, like, kids is not meant, to, it's not meant to be a perfect, easy ride. You know, so we were providing for ourselves and, you know, we had, we had love and, um, you know, and it was just, it just felt right. So, and it, it's, it's been wonderful. We have a, a close friend that just told us he's pregnant. Him and his wife were pregnant and uh, so she's pregnant. And man, I'm thrilled when I hear that. Like it's it's the deepest, most satisfying joy that I experience, and I yeah. I do a lot of fun stuff. I think personally. So, but you know, like even your question earlier, tell us about the highest high. Like a lot of mine are actually some some really fantastic thrills or watching some of the things that my kids are getting into for themselves. You know, so yeah, there wasn't a. I'm with Jess. It just felt right and go. Perfect. Yeah, it's yeah. funny because we often think, like you said, we have to have all our ducks in a row to do X, Y, Z, and then I'll do whatever. Um, with the kids, like, we were so young. We were living in our own basement suite, like, renting out the top, yeah. renovating. We had no shower at the time when I had <laughs> Ava. And uh, we had started a window cleaning business, so I, we were pushing her, knocking doors, you know, and yeah. I wouldn't even change it. It's like, it's been such a fun, like, yeah. crazy ride that, you know, yeah, mm. you just go with it. <laughs> and I like the whole, like, follow your gut thing, because that's been, like, a reoccurring theme with a lot of my guests. Like, most of their advice, like, you know, just follow your gut. And then I think about, like, my own experiences, and I've been like, financially or logistically it didn't quite make sense but, but my gut said to do it and i'm still good so yeah my gut's right you're uh, still there yeah <laughs> and that, and that, i think that takes practice it can start to be really difficult at times to what is my like what's my intuition telling me what's yeah my gut telling me I yeah don't know so i think it takes practice but generally it, it does steer us in the right right direction totally i think yeah my next topic is going to be role models. You're each going to sort of list off and describe three role models in your life that have sort of shaped how things have played out. So we'll start with you, Graham. 
Ooh, that's a that's that a is. baby. You know, I have a one. If I think back to early days, I I have a an aunt that's pretty pretty special, and she was quite a bit younger than my mom, so she's my mom's sister, and uh, she just exposed me to a lot of cool stuff with her husband at the time, and um, you know, like so we were in the mountains a lot, and and they. She's the one I really learned to ski with, and they took me mountain biking, and we just go on cool trips. And so she's she's really unique. She's very, um, in fact, her and Jess are great friends. Like she's very artistic and creative, and um, yeah, just a just a superhuman being. So I'd say her, and from a really young age, obviously. And then a second would be a coach, a swim coach I had from like the age of well through probably five years or so like eight till 14 eight till 13 uh, named Dale Dale McMillan and he he was a high school teacher and a swim coach and uh, just a, again a great man a great role model you know I, I have really good parents too I'm close to them but so I consider these people separate because they were they served more as a mentor role you know my mom and dad did too but so I'd say him, and, and that was really like Dale's thing. He was a hard coach and a strict coach, and ownership was a big deal looking back. Not that he ever said the, the word ownership, but it's a big theme that I buy into. And, you know, I, I value him and being around him as a young guy too. The kind of guy that I, I wanted to be better around. And then a, a third one is a friend to this day, so I don't see him as much anymore. But in my early 20s, I was fortunate out of my university program to go and work at the Derrick and manage the fitness center there. And then, and then started training there and had other opportunities. And I met a lot of really kind families. And so one is a guy named Keith, a good friend named Keith Bassnett. And so I've known him for close to 20 years now. And, you know, and, you know, we have the kind of friendship where I can check in with him once a year and, you know, it's like we, you know, no time has passed. And, but I also, when I met him, he was, probably my age now and I was in my early 20s so he would have been early 40s but I, I respected how he lived I liked I really respected how he had three daughters or has three daughters and he's just a real family man and he was a had a successful business and kept fit and so we we trained together I coached him and we raised triathlon and stuff we traveled to Hawaii to train and just a, again a great solid man that I look up to and respect so those would be my three awesome yeah your take I still am deciding, though, but um, honestly, like, one of my first role, role models was a professor I had in university, and she was just everything I wanted to be. She was fit, she was really smart, um, really pulled together, and it, it was my first real professional female role model that I thought, like, oh, there's a picture of what, what things can be. Um, and then I had a, a mentor, I did some coach training and, uh, her name's Martha Beck. You may have heard of her, but I got to learn and work under her life coaching. And she really talked so much about just following your gut and what your life is teaching you. Just listen to that and show up for that. Uh, she really, her teachings and curriculum really changed my life a lot. Um... And then I would say Graham's one of my role models. Like, he's my best friend, too. But uh, we really rely on each other, and we're so good at different things that he would always be the first person I go to for advice, like, beyond just day-to-day -day stuff. If I, if I really needed good, solid, like, 
a check, he'd be my guy. So That's perfect. Yeah. Such a good match. <laughs> and a, a great segue for the next one. We're going to do sort of an activity. Sure. So you guys have been quite the team. I want you each to describe five qualities that make the other person a good part of the team. So you're going to describe five qualities of her that make her like unstoppable on your team and vice versa. Okay. Start with me? Yes. Okay. Oh, yay. Five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, a, a huge thing is Jess is very smart. So she's very, and, and I'm not just saying that. Uh, she's, so she has, she's, she's very solution oriented and just sees things differently. She thinks differently. And I, I've always loved that. When I fell for her when we were young, like we were 17, 18, and literally partying, I could tell right away she was really bright. And uh, so there's that. She's also really adaptable. So as we've taken on projects and done stuff from a young age, you know, Jess is um, just really willing to go with the flow and, and adjust and course correct as needed. And that's, that's actually a lot trickier. We hear that. But in times of stress, to, that can be a tough thing to do. Yeah. And so... Uh, she's also incredibly optimistic. So again, when you're dealing with just life and nobody escapes it, you know, so the ability to always stay positive, it doesn't mean you're not going to be sad and we're not going to feel emotion that we're meant to feel, but just to be able to, it's okay. We're going to rally. This is all right. You know, this is, that didn't happen. This will, or so that's a, a really big thing. And, and just to, um, the fourth one, I, She's very multi-talented, so it's unique because I consider myself quite honed in on what I like to do and where my skills lie. And, and Jess, Jess could do what I do and then 50 other things really well. So, And I'm not, again, having seen her work on many, many projects, it's almost a challenge because she can work on in so many different areas, whereas I can't. I, I do only a few things quite well. <laughs> Jess can do a lot of things really well. Uh, and then just kindness. So I, I've loved, she's just really kind and, and, um, and that, that's a tremendous gift. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. All right. It is. Mm -hmm. We're turning the table. Your turn. So Graham and I are really alike in a lot of ways, but really different. And this is part of where he's my role model, but Graham is so focused. <laughs> so if he sets his mind to something like, you know, it's going to happen and it's, incredible like he's very goal oriented that way um graham is makes everyone feel special so there are always people clamoring to talk to graham because as you can see just how he talks it's like you're talking to like this zen <laughs> <laughs> like he has that effect on people feel that way, but thanks. and so when <laughs> i'm all wound up in my you know anxiety or ideas or whatever graham's just like he grounds me that way so that's one of his best skills too um He's really surprising in that he also has this wild side. So he'll, he'll be the first one to like jump off any cliff or like <laughs> throw himself into anyone. So he's kind of like the super calm and then the super like, oh my God, what is he doing? <laughs> uh, like you'll have to ask him about his breath holds uh, after. But um, yeah, he just... He's so good with people and with the kids. He's a really great dad and with people in general. And 
I'd say he's really conscientious. So uh, recently I learned about sort of the ideal team that you have and you've got like a numbers person and you've got a systems person, you've got an ideas like pushing the bar. But the a really key part of any team is the person who at the end of the day is like, how's this affecting everyone? And that's Graham, like he's really conscientious and he never lets us get far from but how's this how are we taking care of people, whether that's our in our business or in our family? And that's a really big value that he brings. Thanks. Yeah. That's important. Like we, we don't often think about like perspective and being able to take a step back and consider all the other like gears in the in the machine kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Yeah. You both have traveled a fair bit, I think, am I right? How many how many countries in total? I don't know. No idea. <laughs> a, rough, a rough count, like over over ten, over twenty. Yeah, I think about Probably maybe over 10. ten. I feel like I was on a really good roll when I was younger. Yeah, and then life <laughs> kicked up, and uh, I and I really have this sense that we'll travel a lot more as we get older again. We're just starting to travel again more. Or speaking personally, I guess. Yeah, probably over ten. When I was eighteen, I had just had this dream of going away and surfing and so I had saved through grade 12 worked at a gas station and a casino and just I was able to punch a ticket and I went and uh, backpacked and hitchhiked around Australia and so that was the first of several trips at that time but again it was it was before kids and stuff and actually Jess came and joined me on that trip and that was a trip of like trying to live off nothing and surfing and just kind of meeting people and so now our trips you know they're not as far-reaching typically, but uh, definitely love to travel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see what was what was the most life-changing trip that you ever went? On? Well, it's, I don't know if I, you know, a lot of people know that. Well, some people know that. I spent two years in Asia, in the Philippines, and that was a remarkable trip. And it was for a different purpose. I was there in a, a lifetime ago. I was uh, I was Mormon, so I was there on a Mormon mission. And that trip becomes more, much more than that mission. And at the time, I had a, an incredible experience, you know, because you get really close with the people you're working with and then working for, you know, and uh, you're doing more than just knocking doors as well. So, and you're thrown into what was at that age. So I would have been, I did a year of school and then went away. We went tree planting and then saved up. And then I went away for two years. And so you, we, the first 10 weeks of that trip, I think it was 10, is nine hour days learning the language. And then landing in the Philippines, and then we just went all over the country. And uh, I went north with a group of people. So it was life-changing because it's also the amount of time that I was there. And so over time, that that culture and that way of living really became normal for me. Mm-hmm. So that was a special experience. But now again, because I'm getting older and I'm always reminded of it, it feels like it's further and further in my memory to the point where, you know, it's I think 20 years ago now that I was there. So... That was special. It's still, it's crazy how profoundly one trip can sort of change the direction of life or give you like new, new things that impact your decisions. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. travel is just, it's great. And I know I was at a place where I kind of figured, ah, you know, like if I have money, I'll just buy things, maybe not travel. And somebody that you both know, Dustin Iron, like yeah. he's one of my best friends and uh, yeah, he kind of got me traveling more and more. Yeah. 
And I was definitely out of my comfort zone quite often. Like, when we went to Costa Rica and I could hardly order food. I mean, like, we got her done. It's culture shock. And I learned so much from that because being better in another country out of my comfort zone made me better in my own country out of my comfort zone. Because it wasn't long after that that I changed careers because I was like, well, heck, if I can order Costa Rica food, then I can do anything. Run for president. Yeah, totally. (laughs) totally. (laughs) Continuing on the topic of travel, what was your most profound trip that you ever did? Um, Speaking of Costa Rica, I went on a surf party trip, I'll call it at this point of life, but I was there for like three months with some girlfriends and some of it was solo and Uh, That was the most profound trip, I would say, in terms of personal learning, because not for the reasons you would think, but because I realized a lot of things I don't want, really, at that young age, I think I was 20, but I realized how shallow at the end of the day, partying and the pursuit of just fun and pleasure can be if you don't really have a purpose, and... That was a huge lesson at a young age. And I think it takes some people a lot longer to feel that lesson. But I had some real lows at that time. And I thought, like, how can I be this low? I should be having the time of my life. But, you know, I learned what I don't want. And that was Mm -hmm. invaluable to me. So then I had to start asking some harder questions. Like, well, if I don't want that, if I don't just want to travel and party, then what do I want? Yeah. So... It helped kickstart a lot of things for me. Totally. Yeah. So something that I talk about a lot are like non-negotiables in life. And a lot of my guests have had some pretty good ones. And I'm curious to know, in any given week, what are three of each of your non-negotiables? We'll start with you first. Things that you just need to have in your week to make it flow in the most ideal way. Hmm. And that can be family, that can be work, just whatever it is, but it always has to happen. Like if it doesn't happen, things are thrown askew. Yeah. Um, Two of my three revolve around family. It's like, for me, it's the center of absolutely everything. So if I don't feel like Graham and I have really connected daily, if not every other day for sure but just really like where you at emotionally connected with Graham I feel really out of sorts yeah and then same with my kids like if I haven't just had some quality FaceTime with them um I'm thrown so I, yeah. I guess I'm really relationship driven that way with my family and then uh for sure exercise so I I feel like exercise really helps my mental health get all that energy out and so if I don't exercise, I feel really thrown as well. I think those are my three. Perfect. When's your favorite time of day to train yourself or to, to go and do a, a session? Workout? Yeah. Midday. So if I try and go early, it just doesn't happen. Or I have too many things on my mind that I sort of want to get out first. Midday is perfect because later than that, I start to get tired. So I usually work out 10.45 or noon. Perfect. Yeah. Nice. All right, Graham, your turn. I'm the same as Jess on that first one. Uh, actually, probably more than just the first one. But yeah, I, I really, for I've always felt this too. But I, I really value being connected to my to Jess and the kids. And so, you know, I, if I if that's not happening, I feel off. 
And uh, it's not to say that, you know, I can't be on a trip or go away for a week or so and be okay with it. You know, we, we purposely plan that stuff for both of us so that because it's healthy. But I, I know that if we're in town and we're just kind of passing each other, you know, I just, it, it just doesn't work for me. And, uh, and then the other ones, uh, exercise and movements are, is a really big deal and it has been forever. And I, I just, I just feel better. You know, I, I love to move and I'm not, I, you know, it doesn't have to be the same thing all the time, but it's generally, you know, I'm able to get nice and warm and feel good and, and, uh, everything else follows. So that, that'd be number two. And then, you know, I'm, I, uh, nutrition would have to be three. It's, it's tricky because nutrition and sleep, it's like, well, which comes first and sleep would, you know, I think more and more I would take sleep over everything health, health wise. But in a day to day, if I'm getting my sleep, if that's a, uh, you know, I'm getting my seven hours or close to every night, nutrition, nutrition and my preparation of food and eating, eating in a way that where again, I just thrive or I feel good. I feel energetic, uh, is, is big. You know, and with that is coffee. Yeah. Coffee's part of that too. Yeah. So, <laughs> so did this like long fast a while back and it was like, oh my God, you have so much time when yeah. you're not prepping <laughs> food. Like, what are you going to do with your day? Graham spends a lot of time with you. Yeah. So, yeah. How many hours in the day would you say are dedicated towards preparing the food? You know what? Oh man, maybe, maybe one. Okay. One and a half. Well, one, because... <laughs> and then cleaning up. That. Yeah, the cleaning. <laughs> my poor family, but like, we have thankfully teenage daughters. And I just asked these two girls that I work for, they're 17, I asked them yesterday, what kind of chores do you have? And one of them said, the dishwasher. I said, well, good, yeah, because our kids start to empty the dishwasher more and more. But um, yeah, it's like, you know, generally my food prep is not, I'm not a like do it all on Sunday and for hours at a time. It's, can I have some starches in the fridge? some sweet potato, potato, you know, some beets, some brown rice, some whatever prepared. Do I have some sources of protein, both plant and animal? And then, and then some greens and a variety of stuff. So my food prep is quite dialed in, but I can just grab and go. And then I generally just, when I wake up, coffee goes on and then prepare. I don't eat right away, but coffee will go on and then I'll prepare a breakfast and a lunch and pack that out. Cause I just don't, don't, I don't generally buy food out of the house. Yeah, I can't really leave the gym, and I I wouldn't want to anyway for a couple of reasons. So and then at night, uh, it's it's wild. I've told a, f- a few old fire friends that I, I tr- we try to keep it really simple at night. Like um, we got so used to big productions around mealtime in the fire hall, which is nice. It was always really good food, but I find at night we we can, we share the cooking um, f- most of the time and. Jess is better than me, but I just try to keep it really simple. So there's not a whole ton of time there, but it is a nice time for us to, to, you know, just hang out. And if it's just one of us, it's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So we're going to go to the very last question, but for a lot of people, it takes some thinking. And I ask all of my guests this one, and it's always fun because I get to kind of compile them all together. And it's interesting to see the answers. The question is, if you were to give one piece of advice to someone on how to most authentically live their life to the fullest, what would what would it be? So we'll go first with you, Graham. Oh man, I'm still learning that as I go. Uh, <laughs> well, I think a big part of that is being honest at all times. And when you can always come from that place, you know, 
and just, you know, it's going to be easier to show up as yourself. And then I think you're going to naturally attract people in your life that, that are also probably into the same things you are, uh, even if it's not on a little micro level. And then going back to the things that when things interest us, that's a good sign. So I'm taking down a whole lot of little paths of interest and I just go with them and I explore them, you know, and if it feels like it's forced or it's not for me, I don't keep pursuing it. So I, you know, in my twenties, it looked different than my forties. Now I don't really do anything I don't want to do. Every part of my day, I'm, I'm choosing to do it. I'm very happy to do it. I'm fortunate to surround myself with the people I want to surround myself with, you know, in my health practices, not just training, but how I choose to live my life. It's stuff that's, I've met people who have been into it or I've been interested. So I've learned. And so this, this kind of picture of, of self that's always evolving and, and this authentic self, I think is starts with just being honest and listening. I like it. That's good advice. Yeah. All right. Your turn, Jessica. Uh, I know mine because I say it regularly. <laughs> mine is like follow your heart, but take your brain with you. Um, I feel like it's really trendy now to just be like, follow your passion, do this and that. But, you know, following your passion can also come at the expense of some of your core values. If, if you can't, you know, support your family for a time or you can't if I won't have the time for my family sure I can follow my passion but at the end of the day if it's gonna lead me out of alignment with my values um, then it's not gonna work for me right so I think it's like following your gut or your passion or what, where you're being guided to but then also use your brain to go like but how am I gonna make sure this works for what I really care about. So, you know, follow your heart, but take your brain with you. I Don't like just it. throw caution to the wind because there are some really important things you can lose along the way. Totally. And um, I am really optimistic, like Graham said, but I, I can also see how, you know, we've, we've been small business owners and it's a lot of stress on a family or a relationship if you say financially can't make the end, ends meet or you know, you're having a lot of stress in your professional life. Uh, and so those are some things you can kind of temper if you use a little bit of brain work and mm -hmm. you can think through those things because you never want to like sacrifice the most important things to follow a passion. At the end of the day, I think you have to be really in tune with what's most important to you and then make it work for that. So. And it really makes sense when you like align it with like core values. Yeah, always. Because it makes it easier for people to hear mm -hmm. and then they can take the perspective of, you know, like it's not that you can't dream, but you just need to make sure everything's taken care of. Mm -hmm. So I like that. Yeah. The last thing I want to talk about, because I don't want to miss it. You have like a rowing competition that you're doing, right? Oh man, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm exposed. <laughs> yeah, I just, actually this morning just let my closest of people let them know that I'm not doing it because I, uh, I, I hurt my back and I hurt my back 15 days ago, really unexpectedly, but something went wrong. So, uh, it causes some reflection and questioning. Um, a bunch of years ago, I used to deal with actually dating back to that Philippines time and then past that when we were racing triathlon, I used to deal with some back issues and then over time it's kind of, it flares up less and less and usually I've made an error. So yeah, anyway, last, I was starting to feel really good. 
as we kind of do as we're getting close to a race as the fitness is peaking and I was doing a squat session I lift twice a week you know now I don't crossfit daily I you know for my health I lift actually the last while I've been lifting to be a stronger faster rower and so it was a fairly basic squat session five by five with medium level weight I went a little heavier than we had agreed on and um, I was feeling like a million bucks and something in my back just went so I have great care I have a lot of love in my life and I'm lucky I have so I've seen my Cairo who's known me for a long time I've seen my I have two great people my masseuse and my physio uh, Alex and Amanda and so um, it's slowly coming around and then we have we have access to people that we you know in the gym and stuff just conversations but unfortunately I've had to pull the pin so it's it's really devastating it's one of the it's you know on this it might sound funny but it's been the end of a three-year block and a lot of prep I've had a coach it's been a magical experience it's been a ton of fun to work through and prepare and so when that happened it's it's like oh okay this will be three four days and I'll be back I'll be recovering but now two weeks later I realize it's something serious and I have to respect that and and hopefully learn mm -hmm. you know I was no you know I was warmed up I I was nice and I had spent 10 minutes on the assault bike. My, my glutes were a little tight that morning or that day. You know, I'd done the things that I would recommend we do. I'd move sideways under tension. I'd rotate it. I'd open my hips up. I'd done all this stuff before I squatted, but um, something happened. So. Yeah, it's a timely question because yeah. Graham's kind of in the thick of it right now. Mm -hmm. Like it's hard to train for something so intensely for so long, and yeah. like I said, so focused. Yeah. And then have circumstances just not yeah. allow you to show up at the you race. Almost taste it, like you. Yeah. You can visualize it. I've felt it. I've seen it. The last couple of years have been really fun. We've traveled to Victoria and had a great time out there, and it's just been a really fun pursuit. That's and I'm just interested in it, and I love. I love what that does for our fitness, the intersect of power, strength and power and capacity. Um, you know, the places you can visit and go to when you're really pushing yourself and learning about yourself. And so there's been a lot of, lot of magic. So it's, it's just been flipped. And so now it's a new challenge. The new challenge is to heal in a healthy way and move on and, and it's okay. Reassess, reflect. If, uh, if this happened to anybody else, because everybody has these pursuits in fitness, whether yeah. it be like a, a max deadlift or yeah. like, they want to run a long distance. If they had done a similar journey, what advice would you give them to get them back on their feet? You know, that's a good question because it, from my, the, when I have my coaching hat on, which I do all the time for the most part, you know, uh, it's much easier from that point to approach it from a love yourself. It's okay. This event will be here next year. You know, look at all the work you've got, all the fitness you've built up, the relationship you built with your coach. This is, you know, it identifies a weakness that we can address or you can address, you know, so that's all the stuff I would be saying. And, you know, we always have people in our gym that are dealing with little tweaks and things and stuff pops up. And so we try to take care of them and stay in touch with them and check in on them. And, you know, and then it also affects how we program, you know, so, okay, well, maybe if we're seeing a couple of these in a row, maybe we need to include more of this in our program to prevent that kind of thing. So that I, thankfully I, I, I have those voices in my head and I can catch myself a lot of times when I start to go into a, uh, a real kind of low spot where it's like, oh, what could I, what, how did this happen? What was me? Mm -hmm. You know, so you'll hear me say, 
you know, often it's like guys don't attach any meaning to this. So even today we're doing a 1K time trial in the gym. We're getting really prepared for it. 1K row and it's a retest from 12 weeks ago or 10 weeks ago. And simply testing capacity in that domain going into the open. And, and uh, you know, if we've, we had one person today that didn't do very well. So the message there is it doesn't mean anything. Like, yeah, you, you tried, you learn, you move on. Don't attach anything more than that to it. So I'm trying to remember that for myself too. Don't attach anything to this. Totally. It's not a failure. It's not a loss. It's just, yeah. it's just a new challenge. And that's all. It's value. It's, it's value. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Awesome. It's tough though. So, it's tough. <laughs> not to minimize it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad that I got that into the podcast, not because of not being able to participate, but because of the lesson that it is for other people. That's cool. Just it's being important. able to to see other yeah. people who work hard mm-hmm. and life happens yeah. and they find value. Yeah, you've touched on social media. We often just see all, and we all have heard this stuff by now. But you know, all the glory. So we just see people at their best, posting their best stuff that's gone through filters and everything. And I think it's important. Sometimes you you start to really understand the further you go. I think that you know those moments when they happen, they're really special because a lot of the process is the challenge, mm-hmm. and challenge is a good thing. And then it's how we respond to it. So. You know, these conversations for me to be totally vulnerable and honest, it's important because it's for my own healing. And it's also, you know, other people can benefit from this too and seeing this. You know. I totally agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This has been a good episode. Cool. I'll have to close it off, but uh, I'm sure I'll see you two around sometime in the future. Yeah, it's a small sure. world. Hope yeah. so. All right. Thanks, Chris. You bet.